Welcome to the Kintsugi Heroes podcast, where we share inspirational stories of everyday people going through different challenges and how they overcome them. Please be aware that the story you're about to hear may have moments of deeply felt emotions and personal experiences. If anything you hear has a triggering effect, please reach out to someone who can help keep you safe. If you love this conversation, we'd love you to like and share it with your friends so we can continue to share more inspiration and hope to as many people as possible. Now, listen up for our next hero story. What a fascinating story this one is with David Burns. He was born to 17-year-old drug-addicted parents and knowing that his parents were drug addicts, he tells the story of what it's like through the lens of a child and how that's impacted his whole life. He was driven though and he wanted normal and he wanted to achieve something despite the very challenging, tricky, difficult, abnormal scenario of his upbringing, even though to him it was normal. He achieved a master's in sports science and he even cared for his father until his father's death, which did devastate him. And he moved to Australia at that point and continued in his career. It's only been recent that he's worked through the trauma and been able to go back and peel back those layers and it's through that healing that he's been able to share his story and I was really grateful that he was able to share it with me. Hello and here we are. It's another episode of Kintsugi Heroes. I'm here with David Burns today. David, how are you going? Going really well today, Aveline. How are you? I am really well as well. Despite the rain outside, it's uh, it, it's a great day. Every day is a great day. The gift to be here, right? Yeah, absolutely. So let's get started, shall we? It, it, I'm going to hand it over to you. Uh, can you take us back to where your story begins? Yeah, thanks. This is a little bit raw, but happy, happy to share. And uh, I suppose it's part of my healing process as well. But for me, my story starts in my childhood. Um, you know, I have got early memories of um, of my parents and uh, they were very young when they had me. Actually, they were 17 and, and 18 um, and actually had challenges themselves with, um, you know, drug addictions and uh, yeah, stuff that they were kind of dealing with and trying to bring up a, a young, a young child, uh, in, in the eighties. Um, so I've got early memories of, uh, you know, a lot of parties with, you know, being that little boy around, around uh, a lot of people and, uh, and, and actually, uh, being taken off my parents a few times in them early years, uh, went to live with my, my grandparents while my mum and dad tried to, tried to, you know, work through some of these addictions that they had. And, um, so it was, was looking back, you know, quite chaotic and, um, a bit of ne- neglect there really, even though there was, there was love. Um, and yeah, we, uh, my dad was, uh, he, he, he really kind of tried to, to, to get out of the, the area that we were living in, um, in, in Lancashire in, in the northeast of England. And, and when I was five, he, he drove to Germany, um, 
um, from England um, in a car with his friend to try and, um, yeah, start a new life for us. And, and a couple of months later, he sent some money over for me and my mum and uh, we moved over to Germany. So, yeah, from five years old, was in a, it was in a different country, um, which was which was all very, you know, kind of new and um, quite 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 a lot for a young a young child. Um, and yeah, my dad was a welder. My mum was a was a chambermaid, and but they they still the 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 drug addictions kind of still stayed with them, even though they tried to tried their best and. Uh, so it was again, still a little bit, you know, chaotic at home and, and, and stuff. Um, so the one thing that really kind of, um, gave me a lot of solace, uh, in them, in them early years, as I can remember, um, Aveline was, was sport and, um, being able to connect with children from, you know, in a different language. And, um, so I played a lot of football and, and that really helped me. And, and sport is from that point has really stayed with me in terms of, you know, how, um, it can be used for connection and, and, and engage with others. Um, which is, which is something that I'm really kind of passionate about now. Yeah. And, uh, when I got to about, um, 11, um, my parents decided to, and I think mostly because of me, cause I wanted to kind of move back to England. We, we moved, moved back to England and, uh, lived in the Northeast of England, um, there and still quite, you know, quite a lot going on at home, um, alcohol and, and, and drugs, et cetera, um, which kind of became, was normalized for me. I would never talk about it really with anybody, but, uh, maybe some of my close friends would know, but, uh, it was always kind of, you know, never really spoke about, uh, it's not the thing you really share at school, uh, when there's a lot of stuff like that going on. Um, but still really, you know, interested in sport and playing football. It was kind of, kind of my life. And cause I was, you know, loved it so much i decided to to go to college and did a sports studies degree and um and uh yeah came out with the grades that i thought would get myself to university but i uh i used to be in the library a lot on a on a monday um still doing my homework um which i should have been doing at the weekend but i was going clubbing and going out partying quite a bit so when i probably because a lot of that my upbringing was kind of normalized for me even um in my in you know my kind of activities that i would do and and uh, when it came to getting my um, my marks, thought I got a distinction to get to university. They actually knocked me down to merit, and uh, I, I, I missed out on the university that I wanted to go to, which was devastating at the time. So they knocked me down because of my attendance, <laughs> even though I got my grades, which was really yeah challenging. And because I'd scraped through all the way, I got I needed to get four um GCSEs at school and I got four just and then I, I got to college and I thought I got the um you know the the grades and I didn't so I went through clearing um and then managed to get to, to university over in Middlesbrough and Teesside. Um yeah the sports studies degree um loved it that much that I stayed on to do a master's in sports science um and then met met somebody and um we we uh moved in together after university and uh and, and lived together and then when I got to 26, um, I kept going around to see my dad and, uh, who I was very, very close, close with. Um, and he was just complaining of these stomach pains and, you know, he'd go to the doctors and they'd say, Oh, you got stomach ulcers or you got, um, you, you ripped your stomach lining. And, um, I went around one day and he was just sat on the floor with his back against the radiator 
with comfort in himself and said, come on, we'll go to hospital, took him to hospital and took him to hospital. And they worked out in, you know, in 24 hours that he had liver cancer and, um, you know, from, from the drug abuse and, um, he was 46. And, uh, yeah, a, a few appointments later, we worked out that it was, it was terminal liver cancer and, um, yeah, quite devastating. So I moved in to moved out of the house that I was living in, moved in and became a carer for him for three months. Was your mum around? Sorry, I just need to ask, was, you, yeah, was she yeah. around? My mum and dad divorced when I was 18 and because I was an only child, I think you call, they call it like empty nest syndrome. So when that, when that kind of the purpose kind of falls away, maybe there's other stuff going around, going on, um, kind of fell apart. So, um, yeah, there was just my dad. And, uh, so yeah, I moved in and we had three, you know, wonderful months, even though they were difficult. You know, there was no word left unsaid. Um, and, you know, I, I, I slept next to his bed on the floor, you know, every night. Um, you know, made sure he had all the tablets, appointments and stuff to the, to the one, to the night when I, I knew kind of it was going to happen. Um, you know, I had the candles all around and, and the, the nurse came in and didn't even say anything that day. She just walked straight out. And then I can remember, yeah, I woke up in the morning about five o'clock and, uh, yeah, he, he passed away. Um, and the, you know, the, the great thing about it is he was at home and I was with him and, um, really proud of, you know, kind of how I dealt with all that. Um, you know, and organizing the funeral and everything. But after he passed away, it's kind of when my life imploded a little bit. Uh, um, my girlfriend had just got in the police and, um, she needed a lot of support. And all I wanted to do was go out and really, you know, party and destroy myself really um just as that escapism and grieving process and then yeah I realized after about eight or ten months of that um split up with my my my, my girlfriend uh, at the time because uh, my grief was just all consuming I was 26 didn't really have a, a lot of mentorship or support around that I thought I need a change so I decided to you know pack my bags say goodbye to all my friends um and my mum, who lived in the south of England, and uh, yeah, started a new life and emigrated to Australia. What um, What made you decide on Australia? Yeah, I had my got a few relatives over here, and uh, uh, I'd been here before when I was fourteen. It was far enough to kind of start again, really. Um, but I was really specific around it. wasn't just wasn't just going, um, you know for a working holiday visa I, I wanted to kind of start again i was in a lot of lot of pain a lot of grief and uh yeah i remember getting off the plane and uh, you know i was smoking at the time and um smoked for 10 years uh a lot of people kind of don't know that but because i'm all about health and well-being and fitness but yeah and that's my backstory and uh yeah i had my last cigarette in a smoking room kind of in thailand or something and that was it i never i never smoked again <laughs> Was that on the way to Australia? That the smoking room? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It was in the airport. You know, you don't know right. if you ever seen these these smoking rooms yeah. in the airport. And um, yeah, arrived. And because uh, of my my career in the UK was all was focused on football. Um, you know, I worked for the football association. Um, you know, developing grassroots football. Um, and I worked. Then I was a a uh, football development officer for a council um is a social inclusion football development officer the first in the uk actually to use 
football to tackle health, crime, unemployment and education. So very much aligned with, you know, my experiences. Mm. I thought I'd get to Australia, Abilene and just fall into a job within football. Um, you know, I went to the FFA and said, this is my portfolio. And uh, unfortunately, the infrastructure was a, a lot different. So because I was on a visa and I wanted to stay, I had to just kind of take whatever job would come. So um, living in the city, ended up working at Penrith City Council for three years. So I was traveling out there for three years. And to be honest, looking back, I think it was I was kind of punishing myself a little bit, you know, all that travel and, you know, the grief. It was just a process I kind of had to go through for, for my healing. Um, but, yeah, I worked there for, for three years, sports programs, managed, and then my manager said, would you, we want you to manage an aquatic center. And I was like, well, I've never, never, never not got any of that, that experience, what they would like to do. So that's how I kind of fell in the aquatics and leisure industry. And, I, and I've been in that for about 14 years, um, worked to the city of Sydney, uh, as a contract manager for six years, then in the private sector for three years. And then around that time, I thought I wanted to do something a little bit bigger and bring all my experiences of childhood and, um, you know, the adversity that I kind of, um, gone through to, to create, uh, an ent- social enterprise kind of to, to support people from marginalized communities. So we, uh, founded Collective Leisure in 2019 with my, um, now fiance. <laughs> wow. What a journey. Can I, I'd love to go back to your childhood. Um, these memories you have of your parents as a young child, uh, you've spoken about them with those lot of alcohol and, and, and drug use. Were you around, were you there to witness that? As a, as a young child, so they openly took drugs in front of you? I can always remember in Germany that there was something not quite right. And, um, you know, used to kind of be locked out of the, of the bathroom, you know, I'm wondering what's going on in there and, mm. uh, never really understanding what that, what that was. Or, you know, that, like I said, that I was around a lot of people a lot of the time and, you know, and they were just young, you know. You can imagine having a child at that age. I'm four, 43 and, uh, you know, hopefully one day I'll have a child. And, um, it's, it's hard for me to comprehend sometimes. So, um, mm. you know, there, the, there was still a lot, lot of love and things, but it, yeah. So that, then were my early experiences. And then, mm. um, as I got a little bit older, my dad had a conversation with me when I was in, when I was in, in back in England, we're actually um, at his factory, uh, and um, we had a, a, a wood a wood fire, wood burner, and we used to get the pallets from his from his factory on a Saturday. So we had some wood, and uh, I can remember him telling me one day that you know, yeah, the addictions that he had with heroin, and you know, uh, yeah, some of the reasons why, and 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 things, and there's there's always a backstory, you know, um, mm-hmm. with the with the with the so, kind of childhood that my father had and um yeah it's uh that that was kind of the way the way I was kind of I realized what what was going on how old were you when you had that conversation with him um I think I was around 12 or 13 right yeah 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 and you were close to him is that yeah, right very very he was my best friend that's yeah. beautiful yeah. that's really yeah. lovely so his addiction didn't get in the way of being a good parent. Yeah, it's in, it's an interesting question. Um, 
because the, the the more I've done around you know therapy and uh, and my own healing, um, you know, the, I've always thought there, there was always love there, always. Yeah. You know, we didn't have a lot, but my memories are you know playing football and fo- on the field and you know with my dad and you know you don't have to have a lot of money to to to, to have fun, you know. Um, but my dad, unfortunately, he had you know demons that he was kind of dealing with and addictions hard so he would come in and out of it you know and still hold down a job and um you know he smoked cannabis and, and things like that. that that you know that was just the daily but the um the other addictions were yeah up up, up and down so he was kind of dealing with that the whole time yeah mm. and and one of the one of the best things he ever did he you know he took me into his factory once and he put me on his machine he was always on the one machine he was a welder by trade but uh he worked in a factory in the northeast and he said dave you know you want to fool around at school or whatever, you can, but you'll be in here with me on this machine. Or, you know, if you get your head down and you, you work hard, you might be able to go to university and stuff. And, you know, it was just things like that that were like, you know, so I look back now and, and yeah, huge for me and, you know, re- really smart from, from my dad as well. Yeah. Cause so he had that clean perspective of his life and the choices that he'd made where he was at. And saying to you, and if you were what uh, I'm going to guess seven, eight years old, he was what in his mid twenties, late twenties, right? Yeah. Um, which is still so young, and and yet he had that that perspective, that that love for you to be able to say, hey, you know, you want to come and work with Dad? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's it's an option. And then, you know, when I, when I got the job at the football association and, you know, like it was just, you know, I just wanted to make my dad so proud and, and, and my mum as well. Um, you know, but because I was going, you know, gone to university and stuff, it was like, it was brilliant. And that's, you know, really the drive to, you know, he used to say, where, where'd you get your drive from, Dave? Like, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just, just wanted to do well and make them proud, you know, um, hmm. so, hmm. Were they unhappy when you were a child? Did you, did you get a sense that they were not happy with their lives or with themselves? Um, I think there was, there was again, parts when things would have been going well and, and maybe times when not, you know, and when you throw in addictions as well, it's, and, you know, when you have money issues, you know, it's, uh, it, all that kind of is in the mix. It can be quite, challenging you know you look at the uk now and um and australia but you know 30 percent of children are living in poverty you know uh it's it's you know there's a lot of people who are from low socioeconomic areas and these added stresses that are that are on um Mm -hmm. yeah so sorry i always had a i always knew that they would get divorced (laughs) right once i'd left i always had that feeling yeah yeah okay so they, they didn't, you, you didn't get a sense that they were really happy together as, as a, as a couple, I guess. I think, I think there were times, definitely, you know, I've got some mm. really fond memories. Yeah. Really fond memories. I, I mean, one of the, the story goes that, um, you know, they weren't, they weren't even together really when, when I, yeah, when I was con- kind of conceived or when I was born, well, when I was conceived, they weren't together. And, um, you know, my dad, all one day just turned up on my mum's doorstep with these David Bowie records. You can imagine this in like the late seventies, can't you? And just said, you know, let's let's make a go of it. 
and it sounds like your dad also does have a bit of drive because he was the one that got up and went over to Germany, right? Yeah. Takes yeah. a bit of guts and, to do that. Well, you know, for me, and so I always just say to him, you know, that, that, how amazing was that to, you know, that courage as somebody in yeah. your early 20s having these addictions to jump in a car and try to, you know, to make a better life for your family um, was, was something, yeah, really quite special. Yeah. And t- how did you go with the language? Did you learn German? Yeah, it's an interesting one because when you, when you learn a new language when you're young, it, you're like a sponge. So yeah. I think within four or five months, I was pretty much speaking quite a bit of German. And I can always remember my mum and dad taking me to the, to the supermarket or to the shop and I'd be the one ordering kind of the food. <laughs> um, and I was, I, I used to dream in German. So, you know, I was, went to a German school, you know, there was no, was straight in the deep end as so I would only speak English at home. Um, yeah, you start school at, at seven in, in, in Germany and finish at one early. And then I used to go and stay with some German friends, like friends' parents. Um, so yeah, it was, there was some good memories there as well. Um, but it was, was, was a bit challenging. Yeah. Sorry for the interruption. This is Ian Westmoreland, the founder of Kintsugi Heroes, and thank you for listening to this story from one of our amazing heroes. Our mission is for these stories to provide hope and inspiration to people experiencing life challenges and to also educate the broader community on how best to provide support. If you would like to help us to continue to produce more hero stories and cover more adversity themes, we would welcome all donations. These can be made via our website, kintsugiheroes.com. The donate function is at the bottom of the homepage. We'd also welcome any feedback. You can email me direct using ian at kintsugiheroes.com.au. Now let's get back to the story. Let's talk about sports. So you you started playing football. Mm. And what was it like playing with the other German kids? Ah. It was, I used to love it. Um, I used to play for a football club called FC Stern. Uh, and yeah, uh, uh, just amazing. Um, I, I used to love it that much that they used to play me and then I used to play another game for either the team above or the team below on a, on a Saturday. And, um, yeah, my, you know, my dad would take me and, uh, yeah, it was, it's just some really fond, fond memories. Again, mm. it was, it was my life really. It's what I looked forward to. Yeah. And your dad loved football too, did he? Um, he wasn't a massive fan in the beginning. Um, but I think he came, came round to it, but he did support Everton and, uh, that's what, yeah, I, I support now. And, you know, there's some, got some really good memories of me and my dad going to the football in the UK, uh, to watch, watch Everton. And when I was working for the FA, um, one of the benefits was used to get some tickets to, to some of the big games and, Mm. Yeah, used to uh, used to take him, which was absolutely brilliant. Sounds like you've got so many good memories of your dad. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and 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 my mum. My mum's, you know, still still here and um, fighting COPD, which is a a chronic obstructive pulmonary lung disease. I think I've, I might have said that a little bit wrong, but COPD and um, yeah, it's a, it's a horrible disease, but from smoking. So, yeah, yeah, we saw her recently when I was back in the UK. 
Right. When you uh, were a teenager mm. and you had that experience of being at school with other teenagers and kids who were getting into alcohol and drugs, like for you it was normalised at home. How did you, I guess, did you share with your friends up front? Did you sort of sit back and observe others and kind of like, was it surprising? You know, share with me what that was like going through those those years. Well, I had a really close circle of four friends um, who are still, still, yeah, um, close with today, even though they're <laughs> so far away. You know, then they knew a bit what was going on. Um, I'll get the the one example I'll give you is that uh, I remember going um, down to Cornwall when we were like sixteen, and um, you know somebody was taking something, and uh, you know I was a bit like freaked out. So I phoned my dad, you know, and I was like, "Dad, <laughs> this is what's happening," and you know he kind of taught me through it. They'll be fine, you know. Don't don't worry, just do this, and you know give give me that advice on on you know what what was happening. So uh, yeah. Um, so there was a, there was a positive to it as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that I kind of had that support and, yeah. you know, cause let's face it, you know, drugs are, um, you know, kind of, they're in society, aren't they? You know, mm. um, and, uh, yeah, I don't, some people, if they're not you, some people maybe don't know how far they go, but it's a, it's a big part mm. of, yeah, kind of society. Yeah. And, and, and it sounds like your, your parents, Basically, were able to live with their, their their drug addiction and live a fairly normal kind of life, you know, working with with the the grief that you had around your father. So you, you only had a few months to prepare for his passing when you found mm. out about his diagnosis. What did you? How did you prepare yourself? Did you get help from others to go through this? I got help from my work that they, they, you know, supported me. I, I still worked a, quite a bit of that as well, um, just as to keep a bit of normality. But, you know, the, the local Macmillan hospital was fantastic. You know, um, they used to take my dad out once a week and, you know, he'd go to the Macmillan center and they'd give him scone, you know, scones and a cup of tea and some guy would pick him up. And my dad just couldn't believe like the generosity and the warmth of these people. Like it just blew him away. Um, I'll always remember that. And yeah, I had some friends around, you know, who, 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 who helped a bit. Um, and my girlfriend at the time was really, really supportive, um, really mm. supportive. Um, and I'll always be grateful for that. Um, to the point where I never really realized the grief that she was under because she loved my dad as mm. well. And because it was just all consuming. So in terms of preparing, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I think because you're so focused on these are the tablets that you've got for this morning. These are the creams that we need to put on you. You know, liver cancer is such a kind of horrible disease because you basically lose all your weight, you know, mm. um, and my dad was very thin anyway. Um you know, so it's, it's, it's not very nice to, to watch. Um, mm. but again, you know, because of the relationship we had, there's, we talked a lot and, uh, you know, um, we dad, we knew where we were going to put my dad in terms of his, uh, his ashes and we'd gone to the, gone to the spot and stuff. So, uh, I think it was just actually, 
once it happened, uh, then it was, yeah, a bit of a reality check. At what point did your dad stop taking drugs? Do you know? Three For three years before he passed away. Okay. And what they say is, well, this is the, the, the class A is he still smoked um, cannabis. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that was classic. And it usually takes three years before you can get away from it. But because of the, you know, the when he was in his early 20s and at that time people were using needles and sharing and you didn't really think about anything. So, you know, he got hepatitis and stuff. And what hep- what, what can happen, um, that hepatitis later in life can can become liver cancer. Right. So it is a real shame because he, he, he was, you know, getting himself sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but it kind of got him in the end. Um, at, at 46, mm. which, you know, I'm 43 now and I think, Jesus, <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, nearly coming yeah. up to his age. So, uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting one kind of looking back. And he was, you know, he was starting to cycle and, and that's where we, we took his ashes where he used to go for this bike ride and look over, look over the, you know, part of the northeast of England. You got these rolling hills and stuff. And, uh, yeah, he thought, you know, this will do for me. <laughs> that's really sweet. That's lovely. Um, the grief you can ask about the grief after he passed. Um, mm. did you seek external help apart from? Um, your girlfriend or close mates to, to help talk about it and process it? No, I didn't. I didn't uh, at the time. And, you know, I moved over to Australia two years later after trying, you know, I, I, I just, I knew in the environment that I was, it wasn't going well. <laughs> and uh, that's why I kind of needed the, the change. Um, and in the last, and, you know, I met somebody the two days before I was emigrating to Australia. And now, Jen, we live together and, and we've been together a long time. You know, over the last few years, I have started to have some therapy. And, and mm-hmm. that has really, really helped looking at not just the loss of my dad, but also, you know, how, how it ended with my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, you know, because it was like I lost the two most important people in my life. My, my choice with my, with my ex-girlfriend, but, but still that was, it's, it was a great, it was kind of you grieving for somebody as well. So, and, and that's really helped Evelyn to, to talk to somebody and, and, and work through. Cause I think it, it all, you know, the more work I do, the inner work that I've been doing, um, which I think is the big, the big journey is, is my therapist tells me, you know, cause I've done a lot of Ironman over the years and, and, that's an interesting one to get into in terms of why are the reasons I've been, of doing Iron Man. And, um, but as he tells me, the real journey, uh, is, is, is inside. <laughs> it is. So it, it took you a long time. How many years did it take you to start doing the inner work? Um, I've been, I was doing the inner work personal development before that mm-hmm. probably over the last, like, I don't know, eight or nine years, but mm-hmm. actually seeing somebody regarding you know, my, my upbringing and, uh, uh, you know, the, the grieving, um, was probably three years ago. Yeah. Okay. So you held it in for a long time, a good, like 12, 13 yeah. years. Yeah. And it's funny. It, it, it's, it's here for me in my chest. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that's where I hold a lot of my, my stuff. And, um, you know, the, the say the body keeps the score, uh, and, you know, the body's got a lot of it- intelligence, 
And uh, it's been a really interesting process to kind of go through that. There's certain things that I'm a little bit quirky about, like, I, you know, I can't feel my pulse. That 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 freaks me out. Um, probably because of my, you know, my the stuff in my upbringing. And um, yeah, uh, so I've been doing kind of a lot of work on my on my chest, really, which has been helping. Good. So for those 13 years that you hadn't really sought the help, you know, to go deep inside, would you say you were avoiding it? Was was it a protection? Were you protecting yourself, uh, avoiding the feelings? What was it? Uh, I think it's an awareness piece that, you know, we think we're all right. I'm just doing fine. You know, I've had all this stuff, you know, and I'm a, my life's my life's fine and um it was my partner jen who was like i think you you know you should see somebody and i remember the first couple of sessions i was like just having a chat you know <laughs> and uh it did it, it, it yeah it, it kind of evolved and it's it, yeah still a still an ongoing process and mm-hmm. uh yeah i think trauma is a really interesting one to i think we're all you know a lot of people are dealing with trauma and uh you know, it's not what's kind of wrong with us. It's what's happened to us. And, and yeah, there's a lot of trauma in community, intergenerational trauma and, uh, yeah, and understanding that a little bit more and, and who you are really. And, 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 and that work is, you know, it's like, it's helped me in, in the business that I've, that, that we've founded in collective leisure. So it starts with self and then the social enterprise and, you know, and then, and then the system that I'm trying to work within as well. So, but I think a lot of it does start with self, you know, how, how, what are our behaviors, you know, how do we interact with others and, and, you know, what triggers us. And uh, a lot of that comes from kind of trauma for me. How do you feel today versus, I guess, at the start or, or I say the start, the start of, dealing with the with the pain of loss of your, your father and that and your relationship to your girlfriend how, how does it compare you know since going through the, the, the healing and the work that you've done with this uh therapist i, I think it's still something i'm working through yeah. yeah uh i think there's a there's a lot more acceptance now though that with myself you know like because i'm embarrassed at you know, the way I acted and, and, you know, after my dad passed away and, and, um, but again, having that awareness that, you know, young and grieving and stuff, uh, is, is, has been part of it. So I suppose forgiving myself a little bit. Yeah. I think meditations really helped, uh, with, with that, with that work and trying to sit with myself, um, which is really difficult for me because I'm, and the way I've coped with, with my grief is through work and and although a lot of that lights me up and is purpose which is a big part of well-being it's like when not to oversteer and there's a there's a lot of other parts to well-being and you know um which make whole person and and looking after yourself and and that self-care bit i think is is the is the bit that i'm still working on um Mm. you know Uh, It's not easy for a lot of people. Uh, I don't think it's been a socially ingrained part of our upbringing, especially, you know, our age and and who our parents were and the generations that before them. So you said you're not very good at that part of well-being. What was the part? Because I I, I can see it in your eyes. What's the part that you're really darn good at? 
Well, I'm 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 a really I'm a really passionate proponent of of physical activity and and uh, even though nourishment and food I, I'm I'm challenged with, you know, that's a comfort for me, and uh, mm. you can't out train a bad diet, as I know. Physical activity, sport, you know, exercise, and and what that all brings with the wider stuff, um, you know, with connection and and building relationships with people, and and you know, for me, it's about purpose in the work in the work that I do, and you know, trying to support marginalized mm. groups, you know, people underserved or hard to reach groups through sport, whether that's you know people with disability, refugees, and asylum seekers, people like me who come from lower socioeconomic areas with, you know, where there's kind of social shoes. Um, that's, that's what kind of lights, lights me up. Uh, yeah. That's beautiful. So what's looking back on the journey, what has been a silver lining or some gems that you've gotten along the way? I think for me, your challenges can be your biggest gifts. So at the time, you know, when you're dealing with adversity and, you know, it was the worst thing that ever happened, losing my father. But, you know, the strength that I, I've, I've been able to come out of that and, you know, I'm in Australia and I've, you know, we're, we're living in such a beautiful place and, you know, uh, I'll be always, you know, grateful for everything that my, my parents have done for me. But I think, yeah, we can, we can become very, down on ourselves or you know think quite insular when when times are hard and we're going for adversity but from my experience you know you can get so much learning and growth through that it might not feel like that at the time and that's why it's hard you know that's the friction and the tension and the discomfort but um so that's the biggest one for me yeah your challenges can be your biggest gifts your partner jen has been with you throughout this whole journey you said you met her a few days before jumping ship yes that's right. Yes, she said to me, "Why, my, why are you moving to Australia? It's, uh, I, I won't, I won't, <laughs> it's not very good." <laughs> I'll say it politely, um, but uh, it, we, yeah, she's lives here now, and we've got a got a great life in Sydney, and yeah, it's uh, she's been, you know, a big part of my healing and, and grieving journey as well. Um, you know, so like I said, I wouldn't have ever thought of therapy if I hadn't if, if Jen hadn't said and I think for her she you know she just thought maybe I'll let, later in life you know might all come crashing down the cards might fall you know it's best kind of looking at this stuff a little bit earlier <laughs> sometimes it takes the person outside of us that's close to us who cares about us um to, to be shine a light and um, mm. like the light be, a, be like a lighthouse and it sounds like Jen has being that for you, which yeah. is lovely, you know, so, so great for your healing and, and your journey and be able to come through it like you have and for her to suggest mm. therapy too, which is probably mm. not something you've thought of before. No, no. Again, that, that, that thing about I'm okay, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm productive. I live my life. It's fine, you know, uh, but. Mm. it's been it's been really it's been really great Abelette. and i would say you know it's probably going a bit too far for a lot of people because as soon as you say the therapy word they go oh you know what's wrong with you yeah um that i think everybody could do with speaking to somebody couldn't agree more being able to be our full selves and 
all that we can be. I think that's what I'm hearing from you. And now when you speak about the work that you're doing and the business that you've founded with Jen, you know, your face lights up, you know, you've got purpose and passion in everything that you're doing. And it's a combination of all the things that have been part of your past. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the mission, you know, bringing it to what we do in trying to reduce health inequity within communities, because it is a, it is a, you know, it's about employment. Uh, uh, you know, it's about providing opportunities for, you know, um, in sport. It's, it's like where it's the social determinants of health in terms of, you know, where we, these all, these all affect how, how healthy you are, you know, where you live, where you're born, who, who, what work you go to, your relationships, all these types of things. And I think that, you know, everybody deserves, deserves a chance and uh, yeah, to fulfill their full health potential. If there's someone listening to this who has, is experiencing anything that you, you've talked about on your, your journey, what would you like to share with them that might be of help or comfort to them? Yeah, I think just on reflection from our conversation as well, you know, you might think you're okay, uh, but, you know, speaking to somebody, you know, you, you might just not realize what might come up for you. Yeah, which was, you know, part of what, what was my experience, um, and has been really, really great in terms of, you know, my healing and, uh, and, um, you know, kind of dealing with the trauma that I've had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it, you know, it doesn't have to wait to them. If it's, you know, when there's stuff going on in your life, I think it's reaching out to people, um, that are mm-hmm. around you and, 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 and talking about stuff. Thank you, David. I so appreciate you sharing your story today. It's really powerful and, and, uh, I love your authenticity and being so vulnerable about your, your journey and, and your upbringing. And I just want to thank you for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, thank you. Thanks for listening to me. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Kintsugi Heroes. Please like and share the show to your friends so we can get this out to even more people. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, please reach out using the contact details below. And join us next week for our next Heroes story. Until then, keep being you and remember that we are all heroes in our own unique way. Only when it's broken Only when you